Welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast, coming at you from the other side of the Ides of Starch. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Happy bracket season, Taylor. Happy bracket season to you, Mike. Who's in your sports bracket? Uh, I forget. I probably have Duke winning it because I don't actually pay attention. But that is not the sport we're going to talk about uh, this week, and we're not going to start with our usual card game, but we're going to start with a different... Is it a card game? Tile game? What is Mahjong, Taylor? It's kind of a card game. So for people that know me personally, you might know that for the last year or so, I've been super, super into a game called Mahjong, which is... If you've ever played Rummy, Gin Rummy or something like that, um, it's very similar to that, but you play it with these dominoes. Uh, and it's a game from Asia. I got into it in the last year, and I've been like totally wrapped up in it. And I just started a club in Philadelphia about, I don't know, seven, eight months ago. Uh, and it turns out there were a bunch of people here who really wanted to play it. There's a lot of nexus with like anime nerds and stuff, you know, and so there's kind of a lot of people who are interested in in Japanese stuff. We're playing the Japanese Mahjong. And just last weekend, the Philly club fielded a delegation of nine players, which is a very large number, uh, to go to a tournament in Rochester, New York, held at uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology, where they have giant anime club full of weebs and stuff. So there's lots of Mahjong happening there. And somebody from our club won. So that uh, has been a super awesome experience for us. We wrote a tournament report that got published on an English language Mahjong blog, which made me feel like a big timer. Um, we've got that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Yeah, I saw you there in the uh, the group photo. That's right. If you want to finally see what my face looks like, you can ch- uh, click on that link and, and you can see me there. I came in actual dead last of the tournament. <laughs> nice. Uh, keeping up my uh, streak of not winning things on Shroom for Two, I carried that over into this Mahjong tournament. But, you know, I uh, provided support for the rest of the people on my team, and uh, there were lots and lots of really strong players. It's kind of like being up near the top of the ladder uh, in, in this game. You know, like, you think you're doing really good, and you, you have a very strong opinion of what your skills are, but then suddenly you get to a spot where everybody's as good as you, and in fact, maybe everybody's better than you. I showed up thinking that I was going to be able to, you know, play my standard game and, and doing well in this tournament, um, and in fact, I got totally dumpstered. Yeah, well, welcome um, to New York. That is that is the biggest of big leagues as far as, like, tournament organization cities go. <laughs> yeah. Even if you know nothing about this game, you'll probably be able to uh, pick up on the dramatic tension in the tournament report. I showed it to my friend, and he said it reminded him of descriptions of dogfights in Star Wars novels, in that he didn't really understand any of the specific nouns or verbs uh, that were in the, the description, but that he picked up on, on the dramatic tension, so it <laughs> didn't matter. Nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, I encourage you to check that out, and uh Yeah. I'm a big uh, dork having his own personal sports anime right now, and uh, so I couldn't be happier. Hey, man, I'm jealous as hell. That sounds like a, a lot of fun, and I'm I'm happy for you and your and your team, and that you have a, a cool club, or rather, I guess another cool club. Exactly. Um, and you know, I have nowhere to go but up in terms of uh, standings in professional mahjong tournaments. Uh, so you know, sky's the limit. Speaking of limits, potted powerhouse decks. <laughs> Yeah, Potted Powerhouse. This has been a build-around-me card that has existed since the very beginning of the game. Five-cost, 3-3 Leafy Plant. It's a super rare from the Mega Grow class. And it says, while it's in your hand, it's plus one, plus one whenever a plant gains strength or health. Uh, so it's kind of the plant equivalent of Valkyrie. Kind uh, of. Released. Very generously. <laughs> it's it's playing in the same kind of design space as Valkyrie is. Valkyrie is obviously pushed a million times harder. You see Valkyrie all the time. You never see Potted Powerhouse. And so I think for that reason, uh, Mike and I both decided that we wanted to experiment with Potted Powerhouse decks for this show. 
Yeah, well, you had posted a deck that you were playing around with in the Discord chat, and I had just come off of a season-long sabbatical of not playing any plant decks at all, so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll try that out. So both of us have been messing around with powerhouse decks. Yeah, and so the um, the initial deck that I posted in that channel was uh, just kind of something I threw together, and uh, the people in the channel were, were very quick to say, dude, why aren't you playing Bonk Choy? Dude, why aren't you playing Muscle Sprout? Um, and I didn't actually own any Muscle Sprouts, but I had some spare sparks and I crafted some. But uh, Bong Choy was definitely a uh, big omission on my part. So, okay. So the idea with Pot of Powerhouse is you want plants that buff themselves, right? Um, and so basically, you want to be able to have as many cards in your deck as possible that are good and worth playing, but also happen to buff either themselves or another plant on the field. Yeah, and ideally, you also want to be playing one of the plant heroes, namely Grass Knuckles or Captain Combustible, who has the Time to Shine superpower to give you a one-mana bonus attack, since you are charging your big laser. Like, the way you win with the Beat Stick is you attack right away, and there aren't a lot of uh, plant ways to do that that are that are cheap. Like, you can, you can hold on until you get plant food, but, like, Turn nine is a really long time to wait yeah. in this kind of game. So, Especially like, since the, a lot of the cards that you play in this deck end up being kind of on the smaller end. Plan A is to have like, you know, a 15-15 or greater potted powerhouse in your hand, which is actually not that hard. And then um, slamming that and then playing Time to Shine or something like that to to do a bonus attack and either an OTK or like you soften them up a little bit and deal the killing blow with your giant creature. Or you play it on coffee grounds, which I've been messing around with in pretty much all of my decks. Uh, that's interesting. I did not try, I did not try that. Let's talk about the core cards um, within the mega grow class. Cause obviously this is a mega grow card. Any hero that you play this in is going to be also a mega grow hero. So let's talk about the things in mega grow that work well with this. Uh, we already mentioned bonk choy. Bonk Choi is an excellent card, the one cost 2-1 that gets plus 1 plus 0 on his first turn. Great for trading with stuff like Arm Wrestler or, you know, Interdimensional Zombie or anything like that. You know, it has the added benefit of if you've got a pot of Powerhouse in your hand, then, you, uh, you're, then you're getting a, a proc off of that. Um, so actually, before we go any further with this, let's talk about one of the obvious downsides of pot of Powerhouse. You want to have it in your hand for a long time before you play it, right? Which means that, ideally, you would draw it early in the game or you'd have it in your opening hand. Um, but a five-cost card is not the kind of card you want to have in your opening hand. It limits your options for what you're able to actually do in the early game. Similarly, a five-cost card that you need other cards to make good, um, that you need something that immediately does a bonus attack, um, or you need something that's able to kind of maneuver the board into a spot into a spot where, like, a 14-14 isn't going to get messed with. Um, or you need something strong from your deck on turn six and you draw a five-mana 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, so it's kind of a clunky card. Valkyrie had the downside of, well, if you don't draw your Valkyrie until turn 8, then really it doesn't do anything. This has all the same downside as that, but none of the uh, the upside of the rest of Valkyrie of being cheap, it being okay on curve, different things like that. This uh, kind of is lacking a lot of the ways that Valkyrie isn't. Also, the way to boost Valkyrie is uh, the, the result of bad field trading, like your stuff dying. But the thing to buff Powerhouse is stuff that makes your field stronger. And if you have a strong field, then you're going to win already. That's true. It is a bit of a win more card um, to some extent. It has the problem of like having the best henchmen that boost it just being better than it. Like The, the best ways to buff uh, Powerhouse quickly are the Dino Roar cards that boost themselves on every turn. Triceratops and Bananasaurus, if you're getting one of those to grow out of control, then you can just ride that to victory usually. 
Okay, so these are all these are all good points, but let's there are some good things about Potted Powerhouse. So let's let's talk about how the deck gets built. Something to mitigate this um, is that a lot of the good Mega Grow cards that you want to be playing do fold into the buff themselves strategy. So I mentioned Bob Troy already. Uh, you've also got Click P. Um, Click P, of course, got nerfed a little while ago, but it's still very strong. Buffs itself. It's the first one's a two two. The second one's a three three. Third one's a four four. So on. If you're able to get lucky and get a couple of them out on the field at the same time, then it'll boost your powerhouse two times because they'll each buff each other. Definitely. Going up in cost, you've also got Black Eyed P, um, excellent card on rate, uh, buffs itself without any extra commitment from you. Very good at kind of like uh, playing into what this deck wants to do because this deck wants to play a bunch of creatures. Um, and one of the ways that you can remove creatures is with removal spells. If you play a removal spell, Black Eyed P buffs itself. Uh, gives you a field advantage, also buffs your powerhouse. Nothing wrong with that. And I think the next card up on the curve is Gross Room. It's one of the basic cards, yeah. It's from the uh, the starter deck of 40, and it is still a very strong card. The, the 3 cost 2 one, that'll give another thing on the field, plus 2 attack and health. And once again, prop your powerhouse and help keep whatever other early game minion you have alive for a little bit longer. It's a good budget pick. Like, a lot of the cards... Um, that can go into kind of the lower end um, of this deck can be pretty cheap because, as we mentioned a long time ago in the what, what was that segment called? Class warfare. Yeah. Um, buffing your own stuff is uh, is a big um, kind of core tenet of the Mega Grow class. I would. Um, I think we actually skipped one. I think that um, a very reasonable card to have in this kind of deck is Vegetation Mutation. I don't think that made it into any. Of that we're going to talk about here today you know as an uncommon its power level isn't super high and it kind of got outclassed by some of the other things on the list but especially in a budget context being able to buff all your stuff on the heights or in an environment for a single card um is very strong especially if you're running coffee grounds as your environment definitely kind of one of the other payoff cards in a deck like this is muscle sprout uh muscle sprout of course legendary so it's not really required um, but it does the same kind of thing that Pied of Powerhouse does, except it works when it's in play instead of in your hand. This gets plus one, plus one every time you play a plant. doesn't matter what the plant does. If a plant comes in, Muscle Sprout gets bigger. Um, and so this helps you double up on your triggers. So if you have a Muscle Sprout in play, you play a Click P and a Powerhouse in your hand. Uh, you can see that there are many conditions on making this deck work. But if you got all that, then you're getting multiple triggers off of playing any, every individual plant. So that's good to have. Most of the stuff that'll boost a bunch of things at once are in the uh, the Kabloom class. You, you know, you can only do them if you're doing a combustible powerhouse, which is, uh, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, Vegetation Mutation is nice for that kind of group grow thing. And I, I will often think about playing two of them in a deck and then later take them out at some point. Because, like, it is a little bit of a tough sell for a trick that is useless without something on the field unless it is plant food. That us into kind of the rest of the good mega growth stuff banasaurus rex a dino war card also legendary so a little bit harder to get but dino war gives it a built-in way to buff your powerhouse it also is very good itself uh and then we got plant food also at four plus one plus one and bonus attack bread and butter of good mega grow cards to include i think that's all the ones that are worth shouting out for that i think so um i would also sort of say that um this deck is kind of similar in its low-end composition Onion Rings deck. I think that the, the game plan is a little bit different because with Onion Rings, you want to keep your minions in your hand before you jam them. Um, and in this, you want to jam the minions to increase your payoff in the later game. But a lot of the cards that we just rattled off here 
um, also end up going in an onion ring stack. So if you have um, enough stuff to make a good onion ring stack, then you might want to try experimenting with this as well. Yeah, and on that note, it might also be a good idea to stick a couple of umbrella leaves in here because, you know, you're, you're sure, 12-12 is great, but it just dies to a rocket science or a cut down size. So you might want to have that as a, an additional tool for your big combo. Okay, so Mike, uh, you built in Kabloom, which I didn't do for this. So, so tell us about what kind of Kabloom stuff makes the cut here. My basic idea was, okay, so I, I've already conceded that I am playing for style by playing a Potted Powerhouse deck. The problem with Captain Combustible is that if you're playing until, like, turn 7 or 8, you're doing it wrong because Captain Combustible is so good at killing you quickly. But that being right, said, sure. the thing that drew me to Kabloom was the stuff that had multiple grows at once, like the Velociraptor Hunters, the the uh, three cost one three that makes another one three in it, like that is two procs right away, and it also has Cro-Magnolia, which will blow up your field. I'm a big Cro-Magnolia fan. Yep, and uh, once again, I'm I'm playing around with Coffee Grounds, and to take advantage of that synergy, I'm running a Captain Cucumber, which um, I didn't think of running Muscle Sprout for any of these because I didn't want to go like the swarm with a bunch of cheap creatures away. I wanted to go with more of a an evened out curve to to give me solid options throughout the game regardless of powerhouse you know i want to make sure this deck has a lot of strong openings if i need to wait until powerhouse to kill something great but hopefully my early game stuff will carry me muscles perhaps wants to come down before the creatures and Cro magnolia wants to come down after the creatures so um i would say that if you're running a combustible uh potted powerhouse deck that muscle sprout and, and Cro magnolia really kind of are in direct competition there yeah i i went with Cro magnolia as a uh, a way to get rid of like a one drop that's already been spent if i have a, a, a high voltage current that i used for conjure instead of having it hit the block meter over and over again i'll turn it into a three mana four four and if there's something next to it even better that does get a little irritating with Magnolia playing the like the lane policing game like that's not my favorite aspect of this game because i keep forgetting about it but that's a, that's a nitpick sure um Magnolia is does kind of require a little bit more maneuvering in that way yeah and uh why don't you kick off the talking about uh Grass Knuckles, because that is the, the go-to hero choice for this kind of deck. Uh, okay, so with Grass Knuckles, the first thing that I thought of was Triceratops. Uh, Triceratops is another great Dino War creature, so whenever you draw a card, get plus one, plus one. That has Potted Powerhouse written all over it. It also wears buffs really well, so if it just gets big on its own uh, and you need to uh, hit it with a plant food, um, you get a high payoff there. And uh, similarly, uh, my big consideration was Photosynthesizer. Um, as we know, Photosynthesizer is great, and you should put it in everything. Yep. This buffs the health of your creature, uh, which Potted Powerhouse likes. It also is a Conjure, which procs your Dino Roar. Photosynthesizer also works well with uh, another Mega Grow card that we didn't mention before because I think it's a little bit niche, but I have two copies of Potatosaurus in this deck. Potatosaurus is, of course, another Dino Roar card, making the Conjuration off the photosynthesizer a little bit more valuable. It also has Untrickable, so that if um, you're up against kind of a high... Yeah removal density opponent um and maybe your potted powerhouse which you know it's big and huge and you play it and then they kill it that's very bad you're able to have kind of a backup plan for my plan is still to kill him in the late game with a big creature here's kind of a big creature in a can that is able to sort of like play backup in the event that potted powerhouse fails to get there common uh, theme in all of these is that powerhouse is outclassed by a lot of legendaries which is you know to be expected from a super rare when you think about it, Potato Saurus just kind of does the same thing, but more reliably and gives you a card. 
Um, I mean, it doesn't hit anywhere near as hard as Putt of Powerhouse. It has, Putt of Powerhouse has a lot more risk associated with it. I wouldn't say that Potatosaurus outclasses Potted Powerhouse as a matter of course. I would say that the floor and the ceiling of Potted Powerhouse are very far from each other, um, and that the floor and ceiling of Potatosaurus are very close to each other. I think about it that way. And the other things that I got from the, the Guardian class was just a bunch of support cards. Because several of these creatures are capable of buffing themselves more than one time, I wanted to be able to um, trade for my opponent's creatures without using those cards up. So, you know, I want to trade away my Black Eyed Pea and my Triceratops and my Muscle Sprout as infrequently as possible. So I have a bunch of cheap things that can help fill those gaps. So I've got some hot dates if I want to trade with a mid-rangey thing so I don't have to blow a Click Pea or a Black Eyed Pea on that. Uh, I also have Spikeweed Sector so that if it's just a random creature that's going to trade with anything, uh, Spikeweed Sector just kills it. And then, of course, I got Sham Rocket for when we need to kill Big Fat Thing. Our card of the week, by the way. Go get it. It's great. Absolutely. If you don't have Sham Rocket, uh, your decks will get substantially better if you uh, are able to pick it up. I like Hot Date as an addition here because my my biggest problem when laddering with my uh, Knuckles deck that we'll talk about in a little bit is that I kept losing to Toxic Waste Imp, and instead of doing anything to address that, I just hoped I didn't queue into anyone running an imp deck. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, this deck does really kind of want a critical mass of creatures, so, like, you know, in, in something like a Repeat Moss combustible deck, you know, you're going to have, like, Banana Bomb or something to just be able to snipe the imp by itself. Um, but if you've got to trade creatures to do it, then that's that's bad news. It's eating into your game plan. My first endeavor with uh, Grass Knuckles Powerhouse was to try, like, the really long, drawn-out control deck, where it's like, okay, I'm going to really just hunker down and commit to grinding this out, you know, run a bunch of sham rockets, run four poppin' poppies, and, you know, eventually I'll throw down the big thing and, and get the bonus attack right away. And then I realized that the potted powerhouse is probably the weakest card in the deck, so I took it out and I played a bunch of games with it and it's still pretty good, so check out my control grass knuckles. It's the power homeless deck. Sure. Uh... I, I definitely see that there's a lot of cards in here that are just kind of like Guardian good stuff cards. Something that I do see in the, the Grass Knuckles deck that has Potted Powerhouse in it is that you're you're on the uh, party time plan. Can you talk about that? I wanted to promote the bonus attack synergy of uh, Coffee Grounds as much as I could, as well as the Time to Shine. I figure, you know, if I'm drawing more cards, then I'm more likely to have the Potted Powerhouse in my hand or at the very least, buff up my Triceratops a lot more. The thing I love about Triceratops in Grass Knuckles is the fact that you have the superpower that'll draw you two cards and turn it into a 3-5 on turn three. Sure, that's quite strong. As seen in Beta Caratina, made famous by me, and only me, pretty much. <laughs> One of these days, Frymup is going to realize that the reason he thinks Beta Caratina is bad is because uh, he keeps not playing Triceratops in them. It's not her, it's you. <laughs> you were playing this on the ladder, right? You just got up to ultimate. I did. I I am proud to announce that I am back on my bullshit and played way too much uh, laddering the first week of the season, and I just got up to ultimate today, uh, running this on 49, although I don't think I ended up playing Powerhouse in most of the games I played, and I was running into that problem of, oh man, the things I'm playing to buff up my Powerhouse are already winning the game for me. Oh well, I guess I'll just plant food for 7 bullseye damage. Sure. You know, there's something to be said for um, having a backup plan in addition to a strong, you know, early game presence. That's a big part of this, because any time in this game where you're trying to, oh, build a deck around this one card, you run into the problem of your games are probably going to be decided by, like, 
between 8 and 15 random cards from your deck. So if you don't draw the one card you're building around, you need to make sure you're, you know, fall flat on your face. That's true. Um, And, you know, I think that we've all played a lot of this game by now. We've all searched the corners of the of the S tier decks that will zoom you up to the top of the ladder or, you know, the that everyone has agreed upon are are worth your time to tinker with. I think that Potted Powerhouse as a card where there are a lot of power points in it. It is capable of coming down and just killing them. You know, assessing what it is that you need to do in order to make that card work is a very uh, rewarding aspect of deck building, in my opinion. And so, yeah, Potted Powerhouse is not a card that would make it into, you know, the most grindy, I want to win as fast as possible type deck. But to see that plan come through is really fun. Just like jamming a... Sunstrike on a field full of creatures and like hitting them for 20 strike through and then they die being able to say guess what i have a 2020 can you kill it oh you can't you're dead now that's a that's a great way to end a game even if it's not the most efficient way you do feel super satisfied when you're able to throw down like a 10 10 and how okay so when you were playing around with it and you actually got powerhouse out do you know around when you actually finally played it like did you i found that my hand kind of forced me to drop them earlier than I would want to a lot of the time? Um, I definitely ended up playing like 8-8 or 9-9 potted powerhouses on turn 5 and 6, which is, you know, not often what you'd prefer to do. But generally speaking, that's a big enough threat that it is going to warp the play field uh, and force your opponent to respond to it. Really, the the downside there is deadly. If they've got a deadly thing, if they have a superpower that gives their field deadly, or if they're able to barrel avails you or something, then that's like the maximum feel bads moment. But just playing it as like kind of a maybe slightly overcosted mid rangey idiot worked out okay. Yeah, um, this card makes me think about tough beats a lot and how much I like it because it is. It a, is very similar to tough beats because it's a a, a five cost thing that comes into the field with six attack and a decent amount of health pretty much and i've been thinking more about okay so potted powerhouse wants to be a big beat stick well okay so what are the other beat sticks what else is the big stats high attack yeah like you know stuff like bacanalith or or tough beats or even like whip vine i guess maybe not whip vine uh whip vine i think is maybe a budget um option surrounding that sort of thing yeah i think or or like um, repeat moss and any of captain combustible superpowers like sure i mean i think that you know kabloom provides a lot of compelling alternatives to potted powerhouse probably better so than the rest of the field does i mean the reason that i settled on grass knuckles for my set was that i just think that the um the kind of defensive tools of the guardian class allow your strong mega growth creatures that are like good on rate to be able to carry the field such that you don't really need to get that much out of potted powerhouse in order for it to get you over the finish line um you know i think that potted powerhouse really kind of needs to do less work in a deck where you know kind of the rest of the cards in it are more generically good in that way i definitely played more games with potted powerhouse in the last uh, week and a half than i have in probably the year prior to that i would agree with that it was a very emotionally volatile experience okay you're saying you went on tilt it wasn't consistent enough to be tilt it was a lot more peaks and valleys of oh yeah i got my awesome thing to work and my deck came together and i got to throw out this huge thing on curve and then a lot of i draw my first one on turn eight and my second one on turn nine and i want to die 
Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, every deck can draw itself backwards. I think that this deck may be um, exceptionally susceptible, say that ten times fast, yeah. uh, to that to that problem. But, you know, that's part of the deck building challenge. I think the fact that the rest of your, a lot of the creatures in your deck triggering off Dino Roar means that, you know, you're making extra use of the fact that you want to be drawing a bunch of cards to be able to have your combo piece in your hand. Um, you know, you've got a lot of internal consistency to help back that up. It is kind of interesting how both this and Valkyrie were part of the same set and built around that idea of building this up in your hand and uh, when, when one went on to be Valkyrie and one went on to uh, to not be Valkyrie. Yeah, I, it's, I don't remember what the, um, the buff and nerf regime of Potted Powerhouse and Valkyrie were through their entire trajectory. Has Valkyrie always been as good as it was? I mean, it used to be better. <laughs> I mean, like... Well, no- other than the most recent change, I think Valkyrie was always the same. Val- Valkyrie was just a three three cost O six that got plus two plus O when a creature died. It used to be a super rare, like Potted Powerhouse. Oh yeah, it did. It did used to be super rare. Um, and I don't think Potted, I don't think Powerhouse ever changed. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I maybe they just didn't see it as a um, as a card that got enough like proto respect to be worth buffing. That they they maybe consider it more of a casual card in that way. Well, they um, they have sort of buffed it through the Dino Roar stuff. Like you, we were just talking about how the consistent every turn procs are the best way to grow this, and there's way more of those now than there were back when this came out. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be thought of as a buff. You know, like like Banana Split. Like the the Banana Split can get buffed in two ways. One, they make the half bananas buff the rest of the bananas in your hand. Like they can add that line of text to the card, and then suddenly the card does more stuff. Um, but then they can also add more bananas to the game so that you're able to make better use of that effect. And so, like, having extra creatures that work well with Potted Powerhouse can be thought of as a buff in that way, I suppose. You know, I guess its text box has never changed. There's also something to be said for a card doesn't need to be good if it's interesting, and Powerhouse definitely. is definitely an interesting card. And their first foray into designing a card that grows like that, so it's probably not going to... Be- they're going to err on the side of making it less powerful than making it break the game. So, like, yeah, it's just kind of there. Like, what if there were a card that did that? Okay, there it is. Yeah, for sure. Like, you can you you can see that it was it was designed with kind of a more cautious hand. You know, it's like Black Eyed P is a card that's fine on rate. Two cost, two, three is, like, very solidly medium. And then it buffs itself for free. That is very good. And so when that's paired with a creature that has a good rate on its own, then you have something very powerful. Potted Powerhouse is very, very below rates. A 5 cost 3-3 three, three, that, if you just play it, does absolutely nothing. That is quite poor. And so its ability needs to do a lot more heavy lifting, which is sort of an insurance policy against it running away with the game. And, you know, that is a that is a sign of responsible game design. Um, just because that came down on the side of this card isn't S-tier for the latter um, doesn't mean that they've made the design decisions incorrectly. It just means that um, they didn't need to use that safety valve. Or they've made a bunch of stuff that is better since then. Yeah, exactly. It, it opens up design space for other cards to be made that, that more aggressively buff themselves uh, without causing this card to become too powerful in the meantime. I think I have one last point to make. Hit me with it. This game has a problem with expensive cards in that a better turn is very often playing two good cheap cards than playing one mediocre expensive card. That is generally kind of a collectible card game problem, I would say. 
you know, a lot of times the best cards are the cheapest good cards. And to make a powerful, unique effect on a high-costed card, you really need to put the pedal to the metal on the power level of that effect in order for it to um, be better than just, like, playing stuff already good in concert with itself. You know, that's like, if you're good at Arena uh, in Hearthstone, you know that um, being able to commit multiple creatures profitably to the board is way better than just, like, spending all your mana on one big fat thing that, like, is a single point of failure for your opponent to blow you out. That's just kind of how card games work in that way when you're dealing with this kind of combat. And I think you're very correct. You said Hearthstone, and I'm just reminded that all of the cards that made me quit the game are rotating out of standard soon. Nice. What cards are those? Uh, the Death Knights and, like, the cube lock stuff. Oh, yeah, cube lock. That was... I was playing that the last time I played Hearthstone. It was really unfair and fun. Oh, and they're getting rid of the odd and even deck people. They're getting early retired because they're too No OP. kidding, because everyone yeah. hates them? Yeah, they got early Hall of Famed. That's funny. Yeah, so... <laughs> stay tuned for that. I don't know where, but not on the show. But, uh... For more Plants vs. Zombies content, uh... Stay tuned to the Shroom for Two podcast, and remember to check out our Shroom for Two podcast YouTube page. Absolutely. We're very close to the subscriber threshold where we can get a custom URL. We might even be um, there by now. Let me check. We, we might even be there by now. I'm sure that Mike will think of something funny or it'll just be, you know, lame and responsible and name a shroom for two podcast. Still at 99. Ugh. Hey, here, quick. I'll make a Smurf account. Uh, no, I won't do that. No. No astroturfing. These are organically grown, conflict-free YouTube numbers. Exactly. Uh, if you want to hang out with us, talk about this game, uh, you can find us in the, the Discord server for the PBZ Heroes Reddit. If you go to the PBZ Heroes subreddit and look in the sidebar, you'll see a link for the Discord. And uh, if you go in there, you'll see a channel called Shroom for Two, uh, where you can come in here and ask, what is Shroom for Two? Uh, like people like randomly often do. Uh, and we can say, we're a bunch of cool guys who have a cool podcast about this cool game, and you can hang out here and be cool, uh, which is what goes on there. And sometimes someone will post a deck and we'll have opinions. That's right. A lot of decks get posted there, either just from the players that are in the channel right now, or we'll see a cool one on the Reddit and post in there to talk about it. Uh, a lot of interesting deck building going on on the Reddit these days. Shout out to Justini and uh, listener Sushi, who've always got interesting stuff to say in that regard. And uh, yeah, you can talk to us in there. You can email us at shroom for 2 podcast at gmail.com, um, and you can stay tuned for the next show. Because until then, I'm Taylor. I'm Mike. Have a great week, everybody. I don't have a snare. Whatever. Thank you.